This episode of That Song from That Movie is coming up after this. Hey everyone, I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and we do a podcast about life, love, and hot topics. We're family friendly. Yeah, well, mostly. And you can catch us every week. So subscribe to the Chris and Christine show on your favorite streaming service. And buckle up, Buttercup, because you're in for some fun. Some fun? Oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Three billion human lives ended on August 29th, 1997. The survivors of the nuclear fire called the war Judgment Day. They lived on to face a new nightmare. That song from that movie. Oh, wasn't that a shame? <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> Is that Bruce Forsyth? <laughs> I yeah. assumed it was a Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> well, yeah. You're supposed to say shame. Oh, I thought it was like you do. You, do, you get nothing for a pair in this game because that would have also rhymed. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your mimet. I am your mimetic polyalloy host, Dietrich. Try that again three times. I, I can't. I can barely even say it once. And we're also joined by a dickwad who just needs to chill out, Alex. <laughs> Was that from one of the comments? Did someone say that about me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely not a reference to the film. No, got one star review for Alex. And as always, we're joined by the computer program who's beginning to learn at a geometric rate and will become self-aware very soon, Ben. Yes. <laughs> now it's more Rick and Morty. <laughs> Just repeating, yeah. My man! Slow down. Looking good. <laughs> what else is looking good, Ben? Is it the weather? I prefer the setup. I'm still not happy about this. It's fine, Dietrich. Back to you. Thank you. How are we all today? Yeah, good. <laughs> yes. I was better like 30 seconds ago. I mean, I hope you do become self-aware on this podcast at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I only have like six responses like those box things you used to buy. Maybe it's because we were recording an hour earlier than normal. Yes, that's right. They need an extra hour to uh, let cycles boot, boot <laughs> up. Yeah, install, yeah. <laughs> do you want to take a break so you can go get a tea or a coffee? Yes. No, I'm fine. <laughs> watched any movies recently? Nothing good. <laughs> I haven't watched anything. Else. Nothing good. Nothing good implies you have watched something. Though. Yeah, but that's the thing. Not that the... And we've got content to film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I watched a film called Revolutionary Road. Oh, yeah. Which was... With Leo and uh, Kate. With, yep. Isn't that like a name of a Stone Sour album or something like that? Revolutionary Road. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Corey Taylor was not in the film. May have maybe added a bit of intrigue to it. <laughs> Him and his neck as the supporting actor. Um, but yeah, it was it was alright. Well, I've watched nothing, so I can't help you. This new Batman trailer came out this morning, which by the time this podcast released will be <laughs> like three months ago. <laughs> if I knew we were going to bring that up, I would have watched it. Did it look good? Yeah, I actually think it does look good. It's quite a good trailer as well. Is this the one with Robert Pattinson in it? Mm-hmm. The only thing I've seen people talking about really is Colin Farrell looks nothing like Colin Farrell. It looks like Richard Kind. Is he trying to get back into the universe after his bullseye portrayal in Daredevil? <laughs> do you remember that? I do, yeah. He had like the little, I think, uh, like uh, the sort of bullseye scar on his forehead. And yeah, was he bald? I'm pretty sure he, po- he points it out a few times as if you haven't realised. <laughs> I've seen this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he flicks a peanut into someone's mouth and chokes them on an aeroplane. <laughs> the true villain to you, Ben. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't even need to really be accurate with the throw with me. Just on t- <laughs> on touch would have caused instant death. Just the peanut being in the same room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful. Like it's like a grenade. He just pulls the pin out of the <laughs> yeah. out of the peanut and throws it in. <laughs> just takes it out of the wrapper. Trauma from school. So today's episode is "You Could Be Mine" by Guns N' Roses from Timinator Tiwa. <laughs> I, I also thought. I think you feel like you need to elongate that mine. <laughs> I don't think I can pull it off. Alex? My eye. There you go. I mean, I didn't think it needs to be that long. I just went more like more syllables. I was hoping you kept going. I was going to like segue into the next segment as it was still going. <laughs> just, just slowly, slowly dim it down. Terminator 2 was released in July 1991. So I'm going to take you back to that time and see how you feel about this news. Ready? Go it. The eyes of the world descended upon the small Yorkshire town of Ripon as boxing superstar Frank Bruno was on hand to cut the ribbon at the world's longest roller coaster at Lightwater Valley. Oh my god. The <laughs> ultimate. <gasps> the ultimate. Wow. That is that is great news. It had the world's media there. BBC Radio <laughs> 1. <laughs> BBC Local News. And that was it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise Big Frank um, did the unveiling. Yeah, that's what I did. Why, why him? Do you have any notes on why he was chosen? Big name, but cheap. He was the ultimate oh, boxing champ. He wasn't. I checked his boxing yeah. record as to when he opened, and it was another two years before he won a world title. <laughs> so did Frank Bruno curse Lightwater Valley to be a constant failure <laughs> and send many children to their deaths? Well, 11 days <laughs> after the ultimate opened, two trains collided into each other with 11 people being injured, which set the tone for the remaining, for the rest of, <laughs> the rest of, the of the remaining 30 years of his life. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I've got some facts here if you want to know how long it is. I think it's like a mile and a half, isn't it? I feel like it says when you're like on it. I've written down in metres because it sounds more dramatic I don't know now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 2,268 metres of bone-rattling action. <laughs> it definitely does rattle your keister. Assuming that you are on one of the trains that make it all the way around. <laughs> yeah, the distance depends on which car you're in. <laughs> I feel like the first half of the ride is just going up at the beginning. And it takes like yeah, that's the, the that's the that's it's such a cop out that it's the longest because it's like it's like the ride doesn't start till like halfway around. <laughs> you go over that sort of one drop, that small drop, and then you're basically just going slightly up and down for a good half a mile. Yeah, it's like little bunny hops, like on, <laughs> like you're on a BMX. It was literally yeah. like they were like, how how can we make this theme park stand out? Let's just make the longest ride we possibly get. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best. Not the best. Longest, the longest. seems possible. <laughs> Last fact about the ultimate, because this is a movie and music podcast. Many people are looking at their phones like, "What is this?" <laughs> this is the second time we've delved into roller coasters. <laughs> at least last time it was related to the song. <laughs> yeah. Right. So bringing a bit more relevant to the actual film, hey. up against Terminator Two at the cinema was Disney's The Rocketeer. Grateful. No, I've not even heard of it. Oh yeah, yeah watch it. It's on. I imagine Disney Plus. Sponsor is. <laughs> also, Keanu Reeves. Point Break. Great film. Great film. Yeah. Shooting to the air. Shooting to the air. Well, it just reminds me of Hot Fuzz, where they were. Yeah. Also, every poser's favourite film, Boys in the Hood. And finally, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Big year for Great. Keanu Reeves. Big month. Oh, big month. Oh, this was a month. <laughs> big, big month, month yeah. for Keanu Reeves. Yeah, he was up against himself. <laughs> and he still lost. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. And my final piece of what happened then, the Riverport riot occurred in St. Louis which was a three-hour brawl resulting in 65 people being injured, including 25 police officers, at a Guns N' Roses concert. <laughs> Full yeah. circle. So the report riot basically was Axl Rose jumped into the crowd and started hitting fans and security guards because he could see somebody taking photos of the band with a camera. <laughs> <laughs> 
When he eventually got back to the stage, he grabbed the microphone and proclaimed, Well, thanks to this lame-ass security, we're going home. Threw the microphone on the floor, smashing it into pieces. There was apparently a few moments of everyone being confused as to what was happening as the music came to a grinding halt. In an attempt to calm the crowd down, Slash used his microphone and said, He smashed his microphone, let's get out of here. And proceeded to run off the stage. <laughs> smashed his microphone, let's get out of here. Yeah, so the crowd quickly lost their collective shit, is yeah. all written here. Um, this is all recorded, by the way, you can watch this. Yeah. They were recording a documentary, and the person doing it was like, I need to get this. <laughs> was that the person who, who Axel Rose assaulted? <laughs> he forgot that it was a documentary. <laughs> Doesn't that with a camera? Yeah, so the crowd lost their shit, started smashing up everything, starting fires, rushing the stage and stealing anything they could, and swinging from the rigs. Did Axel Rose believe that the technology in the camera was in some way related to Skynet? Possibly, because we do know that Axel Rose is a target for Skynet. <laughs> what hope does humanity have if our, all our lives are in the hands of Axel Rose? Just around that out. So Axel Rose was later charged with inciting a riot and given a two-year probation and banned from performing in St. Louis, a ban that was held until 2017 until it was eventually lifted. I'm assuming he's just rushed straight back. Probably. He likes the money. Well, I assume he must do. And what also likes money is James Cameron. <laughs> nice, nice. I don't even know if that's true, but Terminator yeah. <laughs> 2 made a lot of money, so that's my segue. <laughs> yeah, so Terminator 2, directed by James Cameron, was released in July 1991 to critical acclaim. Terminator 2 follows Sarah Connor and her 10-year-old son John as they're pursued by a new, more advanced Terminator, the liquid metal shape-shifting T-1000, who has been sent back in time to kill John Connor and prevent him from becoming the leader of the human resistance. A second less advanced Terminator, is also sent back in time to protect John, which ruins the twist at the beginning. <laughs> Terminator is going to stop him. James Bond is not in this film, babe. I'm sorry. <laughs> Although a Terminator versus James Bond film wouldn't be that outlandish. I'm pretty sure you know who'd win. Who? Don't forget that James Bond can keep regenerating into new people. <laughs> I mean, uh, like a Time Lord. What, what if that ends up being the, the James Bond twist? That is a Time Lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, shake up the franchise. So yeah, Terminator T War is an amazing film. Probably one of the greatest sequels of all time. I assume we've all seen it. So yes. if, uh, before I ask what you think, I'm just going to say this now. We're talking about Terminator 2, not the other sequels yet. So what do you think okay. of Terminator 2? It should have ended there. Never needed anything else. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard to argue of, you know, not specifically planned sequels that when you think of like trilogies or other um, franchises, it is probably the best sequel. I mean, I think it's better than the first I mean, the first is good, but I just I don't think many people think the first one's better. I always consider it like a bit like Alien and Aliens in the same way of two sequels of a similar time. Another James Cameron sequel. Both him, yeah. I just think it's just amazing how he does them and brings something new. You know, in modern days, I think I'm very sceptical and pessimistic and assuming that most sequels are for cash-grabbing purposes, whereas this, I just thought, was very fresh and quite a good twist. Yeah, so I actually, <laughs> I, I recalled the first time I saw this film when you mentioned we were doing it on the podcast. I actually saw this for the first time when I was about 10, I think, in a motel outside of Disneyland Paris. I said it was in French. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I looked up the translation. Well, I looked up the translation and it's Dominateur de Jeu de Judgment. So there you go. <laughs> that is better. Yeah. Jeu uh, de Judgment. Jeu de Judgment. <laughs> but I did get stung by wasps the next day, and I am allergic to wasps, so it maybe has negative connotations in my mind because of that. And also, I remember the beginning being because I didn't know what film it was at first because it kind of just like came on, 
and there's that whole bit where there's like there's like a girl on a swing and it's like people in the city and then all of a sudden it's like in the future and everyone's dead and there's just skulls everywhere and i was like what the heck is this the skulls the skulls how old were you so, again i think i was probably about 10 maybe i think we're talking like early not like very early noughties <laughs> late 90s possibly so yeah it was quite terrifying and then i don't, don't yeah. remember watching all of the film <laughs> I think maybe that was all I got as far as I got the first ten minutes. That was my that's my lasting memory of it. I think that I do like the film, but it's sort of because there's so many people who like really really love the Terminator films. I feel a bit alienated because I I just like think it's good. I think it's like a good action film, but I think it's similar like with the Marvel films at the moment, where like some people are just like so passionately I love the Marvel films. And like cheer in the cinema when certain things happen. I think you described it when when Captain America gra- grabbed the Thor, Thor's hammer. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> For anyone who's not seen it, Endgame. Yeah. A year on. Yeah. Blank out the the name of the person and just have hammer. Hammer. <laughs> just swap it round. Um, people cheered in the cinema and stuff, and I just feel like people are quite that sort of enthusiastic about Terminator films, and they have like some like fan theories and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. It's one of those films I always think, though, I, I have that uh, quite a similar view on it. And then when I see it, because I've seen like the re-releases, I saw like a 3D version maybe about a year ago in the cinema. And then I watch it again, I think, you know what, that is a, that is a really good film. But for some reason, when I'm just thinking about it, I, I do think of it as just being, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. But for I some th- reason, it, a bit like when, I, when Titanic, when we watched it the other, whenever that was, I've, I always think, yeah, it's fine. And I watched it and it's like, yeah, this is a really good film. But even now I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I think I think it's not even that. I don't think it's a really good film because I think I probably do. And I think last time I watched it, I thought it was. But I think it's just it's because people just like put it on this pedestal of it being like so amazing. It's difficult to be like to match their level of enthusiasm on it <laughs> because I just yeah. haven't seen it that many times. Like I bet there's some people who like watch it like three or four times a year and stuff, possibly more. When they get into a conversation about it, it's like I just I just turn out. <laughs> not because I yeah. don't like the film, just because it's just like yeah, there's just. I think as action films go, you like it's it quite... too much, and I don't like that. Yeah, well, not it's not even quite that. I don't want to get to that level because I don't think that that's fair. Because people can enjoy the film as much as they want, and I think it is justified in this case. But I just think as action films go, there is quite a lot of layers to this because of the sort of time travel aspect and the what's going to affect the future, and so and so people have a lot of ideas and fan theories about all, and there's like the mystery of Skynet and all that and stuff. And it's like people want to get into the the nitty-gritty and have a conversation about it, and I'm like not bothered because <laughs> yeah, I just think it's I think it's a good film, and that and that's it. I, I think it's definitely been tarnished by the however many since five. Films, I think that doesn't help. Four as films, well. yeah, four films and one TV show. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about the Sarah Connor Chronicles. But as well, like I don't know if that's what heightens its like popularity is the fact that it's just so much better than those. But I, I don't know because I haven't seen it for a while. So maybe, like you said, maybe, maybe if I watched it recently, I wouldn't have that opinion. Yes. And don't get stung by a wasp afterwards. Yes. That doesn't help. Either. Although that wasn't the last time I saw it. <laughs> Sorry, the first 10 minutes of that. <laughs> Every That's time. It was. And it was in French. I don't even remember wasp. if it had subtitles. Because why would it have English subtitles? Because we were in France. So I don't even think it did. I think it's just in French. <laughs> and as well, we'd driven on a coach like 17 hours beforehand. So... <laughs> One of our famous coach uh, holidays to Spain. <laughs> yes, I remember them. What do you think, D? Yeah, it's, it is an amazing movie. In terms of its legacy, I watched it back recently. I actually watched it with my wife and kind of proved the point that you don't even need to see the first one. No. It stands on its own, and which is actually something that the next sequels don't have. That ability to stand on its own. All of them build off Terminator 2. Not even the first one. 
That's a good point. I'm almost positive that I saw the second one first. I think that's the case for most people. Yes, I 100% saw the second one first. Of our generation, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, post-1991. In a post-Ultimate world. <laughs> so I'm going to think of it from now on. <laughs> yeah, we're no longer millennials. We are post-Ultimaterials. <laughs> Shocking. I'll move on to the song before we go to the break. Please. So the song was released a month earlier in June 1991, and it's performed by one of the many, 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 many lineups of Guns N' Roses. Couldn't tell you which one, because there are so many lineups. The song details rhythm guitarist Izzy Stradlins, assume it's not his real name, uh, his... <laughs> <laughs> Izzy Stradlings. Of, of, the, of the Stradlin family. Izzy Stradlin? I just don't know. <laughs> Izzy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, the song details his failed relationship with his girlfriend, which, to my knowledge, is relevant to the movie. Right, guys? <laughs> yeah. That was one of my first yeah. thoughts when I was listen- re-listening to the song. I was like, this is this is like a perfect example of just one of those songs that's just, just shoved on a film. Because <laughs> it's like, what relevance does it have? Yeah. I- until I started researching this, I didn't realise just how many of these lyrics I did not know. Oh, God. It's one of those songs I've just been making my own lyrics up that fit into the beat of the song. <laughs> yeah. Do we like this song? No. Although, like I say, it's one of it's one of the few for the for the esteem and fame that Guns N' Roses have. I just feel like they don't have a lot of songs. <laughs> it was basically what two albums at a push. Appetite for Destruction mainly. And yeah, I don't. It's fine. Other than you could be my mine. It's the only bit that really <laughs> sticks out. And the video. I do remember the video quite well. I think definitely the video was what stood out in my mind more than the song, and except for that one, the, the main line. So <laughs> when I think of Gunther Run songs, the only one that really, the only couple that come into mind are Sweet Child of Mine and November Rain. And I think it's much. Not Welcome to the Jungle. Well, yeah, Welcome to the Jungle, I suppose. There's, there is more. There's like Paradise City, you know, I think. But... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, which ones came instantly to mind? Live and Let Die. <laughs> the cover of Live and Let Die. Chinese Democracy. Garden of Eden. <laughs> are we just going through no, cover of Knocking on Heaven's Door? <laughs> We can all do this. We can do this hey, for ages. Hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe they've got more songs than we give them credit for, but I think I don't think this is a very good one. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. This song, especially the beginning part, sounds like the most generic late 80s, early 90s metal song you could probably think of. It's just so generic sounding. Like if, if you ask someone that didn't like rock music, what does all metal music sound like? I think they would just go, is this bit the beginning of all the drums and the guitar noises? <laughs> I think it actually sounds... I think the reason why the, the, the two I initially mentioned stand out more is because they're not like this one, but I feel like Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, essentially the same song, but just slightly better version. <laughs> yeah. Was this song made for the film or was it really... Is, is it an album track? Uh, so it's an album track from Use Your Illusion 2. Yeah, it said on the, on, on the version I watched on the music video, it had that little caption in the corner. I was like, that's a... An interesting name for an album. Is there a one? Is there a number one? Yeah, there is, yeah. However, this song was written originally for Appetite for Destruction, but didn't make it on. <laughs> so they just reused it on the later album. Yeah. Which I think speaks to the quality of the song, that the band themselves didn't deem it fit enough to go on their like most noteworthy album. I definitely echo that it, it does sound somewhat generic. But, you know, I, w- I would listen to it because I'm what- I like to watch the video. You really want to speak about that video, don't you, Ben? Yes. Well, you're going to have to wait because... I haven't got that part of my notes yet. That's the <laughs> only reason. I could jump around, but I'm not going to because I'll get lost. Is that a Guns N' Roses song? Okay, they could jump around at all. <laughs> I could see them doing the cover of Jump Around, actually. Jump around! <laughs> These impressions are way out of line, Yang. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> <laughs>
So do you guys remember where this song appears in the film? <laughs> no, I don't. Credits? I just assume it would be the closing credits. Not opening because it's too uh, it's too like light hard for it to be opening credits. So I would assume closing credits. It's a safe assumption. Yeah, it is in the closing credits, but it does appear in the actual film. Uh, no, no, not a clue. So, uh, yeah, right, it's when we're first introduced to John Connor, trying to fix his, like, obnoxiously loud little bike, his little, like, lawnmower <laughs> engine motorbike. <laughs> he's blasting on a boombox because he's cool and he's rebellious, because Guns N' Roses are rebellious, just like the future leader of the oh, human resistant, yeah. John Connor. And also his ginger mate. <laughs> <laughs> is that Axel Rose? <laughs> Imagine if it was. He's gone back in time. <laughs> John Connor himself sent back Axel Rose to protect Axel Rose from Axel Rose. <laughs> <laughs> to pretend to pre- to protect all of us from Axel Rose. <laughs> Especially seeing as earlier on we talked about the fact he started fighting fans. Well, yeah. <laughs> nothing surprising is it anymore. The reason why this was in the film, there is an alleged reason I found online, but I can't. I couldn't find anything backing up the original claim. And also because I wasn't willing to buy a book <laughs> that apparently it was in. I, I'm not buying autobiography of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Sounds quite interesting. <laughs> well, pause the podcast. You go buy it. <laughs> okay. Okay, press pause. We've got you on this podcast to lead, not to read, D. So I'm back. I'm back. I've read it. Uh, you're right. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he wanted a rock song in the movie. And in an attempt to get his favourite rock band in the movie... He brought Guns N' Roses over to his house for dinner and they ultimately decided that this was the perfect song for Terminator. So Guns N' Roses were his favourite band? Apparently. I thought you were going to say that he got Guns N' Roses round to discuss his favourite band in CDs. Yeah. Can you put me in touch with Angus? <laughs> it sounds a bit John Barry-esque, this situation, to reference our James Bond episodes. <laughs> it, yes, it, it does. Assuming this is a real story, of course, because the only sources I found for this was a unsighted mention on Wikipedia and a self-declared Guns N' Roses expert in the YouTube comments. <laughs> and, there, and there were slight like, differences between the stories. So I've sort of like mixed them together. What I don't understand about this is if it's one person, I, in terms of filmmaking, that I don't think would allow someone just to go, that's my favourite band, we're putting this song in the movie, it's James Cameron. 100%. Maybe 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 at this point he's still not the uh you know he's still coming into that position of big balls James Cameron where he can do anything he wants. Maybe he's still at this point, you know, there's still a bit of a risk element. Ooh, is he the next big thing? Can he keep doing it? Yes, he can. He can and will. And he he ain't taking no no muck, no guff. He will staple your phone to the wall if it rings. <laughs> what year was this film again? 91. 91. So this is after Aliens, isn't it? Yeah, Terminator and Aliens, isn't it? It's a high batting average. Well, he, yeah, he has an incredibly high batting average. Until Terminator Dark Fate. Did he do that? He was a producer for it. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's his way of getting around it. I swear, he when he senses, he's actually in the director's chair. And then when he senses things aren't going well, he just gets like a, it's like a dummy, like a stunt double who just sits there, <laughs> wipes his hands of it, takes a production credit, and then says in the interviews, there's nothing I could have done. <laughs> nothing I could have done. It wasn't me. It was Annie. It was his favourite band. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want them in the film. <laughs> I don't... He made Axl Rose a nice spaghetti carbonara. What was I to say? <laughs> Why did he have this accent? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, the spaghetti carbonara part of the uh, self-professed Guns N' Roses YouTuber comment? Oh, you just added that. I've just added that bit. The story's just getting more elaborate as it goes through. I might, I might add that people. to the Wikipedia article. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty specific. It sounds like it must be true because it's so specific. 
Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if Arnie had pulling power by this point. Because I mean, you know, if someone, if someone like of the stature of Arnold Schwarzenegger comes up to you and says, "I want this band," I mean, you've got to be a particular kind of person who'd be like, mm, "Yeah, sh- okay, no, I don't really think that's right." Especially as well, he is your main guy. You can't just replace him. Robert Patrick is there going. But I wanted Aha in this. Come on, guys. <laughs> do, you, do you know who was the original choice for Terminator? Was it Sylvester Stallone? Nope. Dolph Lundgren. Nope. More left field. Go out of acting. Out of acting. David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> no, still of a, of a certain frame. A person uh, that went to jail. The great Cali. Mike Tyson? No. <laughs> You're on the right lines, though. You're in the right lines. What boxer? Well, no, just sportsman. Oh. Hulk Hogan. No. <laughs> no. Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Roddy Hulk Hogan Piper. go to jail. No. <laughs> Less, more, more focus on the sportsman that went to jail. All I can think of is Oscar Pistorius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, OJ Simpson. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was thinking like he'd gone to jail and then came out and then he wanted to cast him in the film. Or I didn't think it, you were saying he went to prison afterwards. No. I always forget that he's a sportsman. I would suppose. Well, he did then a good act actor. in Airplane. <laughs> yeah. Not Airplane. <laughs> um, Naked Gun. Naked sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine OJ Simpson in it. I just don't think it would have had the same effect. Could have done that screwball thing that he does at the start of Naked Gun 2.5. He'd have been good in the car chase scene. <laughs> <laughs> He would be up there with some of the worst sportsman performances in film. So just Stan Collymore. That basic instinct too. Basic instinct too. <laughs> so moving on. Unlike Men in Black, nobody's confusing this music video for being in the movie. <laughs> no. I, I did though. I felt like I did. <laughs> I felt like it could have been a scene in the film. <laughs> or part of it, definitely. I'll explain what it is and then yes, <laughs> the video yes, you'll have seen yes. it. Okay, so if you haven't seen it, essentially another T-800, as in Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator, is sent back in time and just so happens to be near a Guns N' Roses gig. The video is Guns N' Roses performing on stage while Arnie slowly makes his way to the stage with a shotgun to confront the band. And once he finally scans them, he deems them all as a waste of ammo. I mean, that's true. (laughs) It's the best bit of the the video. I like how nobody at the gig seems to be shocked as a man dressed in all leather with <laughs> carrying a shotgun. It's typical Guns N' Roses gig. Nothing has changed in America. No. <laughs> Watching it back, I clearly only remember the parts where he's scanning Guns N' Roses and the rest is literally just like a concert of Guns N' Roses. It yep. is a lazy video. I think it's multiple no. concerts as well, isn't it? It's not just is one. Is it actually? I think it's like, yeah, I think it's shots from different ones. I'm not even convinced that in the video that Guns N' Roses are actually singing this song. There's a bit towards the end where he's really going for the You Could Be Mine over and over again. And his lips do not match up. And at one point I'm like, that's the same footage twice. (laughs) He just keeps like cutting to the crowd. And when it gets to the ain bit, it's now suddenly (laughs) open mouth Axl Rose. Well, you know, it worked for young me. Before I told you that the song was about Izzy Stradlin, um, he isn't in the end bit of the music video because he didn't show up on the day of filming. So they just shot it without him. And we all realised. Maybe someone tipped him off there was going to be a Terminator. Yeah. Maybe Izzy Stradlin, is that an anagram for Skynet? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the law Izzy thickens. Stradlin is, a, is an anagram for the sixth layer. <laughs> Skynet. Stranger things have happened. Mm. So what we need to discuss here, why was that Terminator sent to that gig? Maybe it was to do with Axel Rose's white cycling shorts. <laughs> I also picked up on them and thought, I feel like he's quite in fashion for now. The cycling shorts are in. He was ahead of the time. Maybe that was it. Maybe the Terminator went back, saw them, and brought brought the fashion to the future. 
they assumed he was a time traveller because he had fashion from the year 2020. <laughs> yeah, equally makes sense. <laughs> so, did Skynet deem Axel Rose as important to the preservation of Cyberdyne and thus the machines as a whole? <laughs> I mean, good question, D. Um... And if so, why would the Terminator then calculate that killing Axel Rose would be a waste of bullets? Yeah, like, why Why did he go there to just decide, nah, it's not worth it? It seems like a lot of effort. If it, I feel like with John Connor, it's like they know why he's going back there already. They're not sending him back for, like, you know, just to, as a scouting mission. <laughs> it's a bit weird. Just because he's a waste of ammo doesn't mean he's not going to throttle him off screen. That's, that is a good point, but I feel like he does walk away. Well, yeah, he's, re- he's rethinking. He's never had to not, to not use his shotgun. Could it be that the confrontation was enough to dissuade John Connor from assisting the human resistance? <laughs> that sounds more likely. <laughs> After he played that gig, he was like, oh, no, well, I'm not going back to St. Louis. I'm not going back to wherever Terminator 2 is set. <laughs> <laughs> Axel Rose is not worth saving. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It really is not. My conclusion was that the Terminator appearing at the gig dissuaded Guns N' Roses from ever performing You Could Be Mine again, which means in the movie the song doesn't exist and therefore doesn't lend to John Connor's rebellious spirit. I'm shaking my head here, dear. You've had the red string out, haven't you? <laughs> There's a shaking lamp in the room as the, as the dimming light sort of hides the bags under your eyes. I think you need to uh, start speaking to people in YouTube comments on the You Could Be Mine video, dear. <laughs> yeah, I bet there have been some great ones. That's everything we can get out of that music video. That's not true, D, because we forgot to discuss my favourite caption, which is decibel level overload. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like it's like. Oh, how do how do we put across that the Guns N' Roses have been been very loud? Oh yeah, this is good. This is good. This this this, this looks completely cool. <laughs> it's like the lamest thing I've ever seen. High fives around the writing table. <laughs> Decibel level overload. All the way to eleven. Right, as tradition with any episode of that song from that movie, it's time to talk about the Academy Awards. <laughs> yeah, we do like that. We do do that a lot. It's never the BAFTAs. We never, we never keep it, keep it <laughs> no. on home soil. It's always... about the BAFTAs? <laughs> yeah. You it's not a B-got. As soon as Stephen Fry stopped hosting, I stopped caring. <laughs> Moving on. So, despite being a time-travelling sci-fi action movie, the movie was nominated for six Oscars, and it won four of them. They were all technical, unfortunately, which does mean that You Could Be Mine was not nominated for Best Original Song. Because if it had been, it would have won. Is that what you're implying? <laughs> I mean, I would have liked to have seen the sort of attire that Guns N' Roses wore to the theatre. Izzy Stradlin turns up. He's like, when are we filming that last scene? I mean, you can, I can, I can very much see <laughs> slashing sort of like a, a three-piece just without the shirt. But we're still with a hat. Well, yeah, I've got yeah, the top of whoever, yeah, poor person whoever sat behind them. <laughs> Can't wait to go to the Oscars. First time nominated. Can't see anything. The camera just keeps cutting back to Slash, and you can see Tom Hanks, like, pissed off behind him. I <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Because Slash is more forward than Tom Hanks. <laughs> however, there is a however here. Oh, my God. It was nominated for Best Song from a Movie at the 1992 MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> did, true. It still, did it lose Accolade. that as well? It did. <laughs> <laughs> what to 92 is this? Yes, right. So I'm going to say what won. This links back to when I said what films are out at cinema. I left one out because I felt like if I mentioned it, it was going to derail the whole podcast. <laughs> it's all been leading up to this moment. It lost the award to Everything I Do, I Do It For You <laughs> by Brian Adams of course from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Well, of course it did. So it should. When are we doing that song, by the way? <laughs> what kind of a podcast are we? We don't even really yeah, feature that song. Well, we need, it needs to be at least like a six-parter. I think that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. dissecting break each. It, break it down into each minute. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I like the, the minute in, in the middle where it's just going to be guitar solo. 
It's disgusting, the intricacies of the guitar. So. We'll record it in a word as well. Just added ambiance. We could actually go to Sherwood Forest, couldn't we? Sounds like a good plan. I think we just have to give a mention to these MTV Movie Awards. Calling their award the best song from a movie. I feel like we need to sort of acknowledge that's a great name for it. Yep. It's just simple, great. isn't it? That's MTV Forward. for me. You Could Be Mine was in another Terminator film. It was in the fourth Terminator film, Terminator Salvation, which was not very good. The worst one. So the floor is yours. Let's talk about how crap these Terminator sequels are. Uh, I'd say that's the worst one. Is Terminator Salvation the Christian Bale one? Yes. Yes. With the famous uh, get where shouting at the guy. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, yeah. Going across the scene, yeah. What? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, walking around, na 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 like this. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you are done professionally. He's got a really weird American accent, doesn't he? Even yeah. in that, even he's like Welsh or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's lived too long out of Wales. He's not quite Tom Jones. <laughs> you can't mention the big man without giving his one. Do you say you could be mine in the Tom Jones accent? You could be mine. There you go. Yeah, sure, we'll go for that. Yeah. That was too Welsh. That was too Welsh. I, went, I was too Welsh. Sorry, I ruined it. You were too Welsh. You, you didn't mention Elvis Presley. Or <laughs> 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 <Janice> <laughs> Janis Joplin. Janis <laughs> Joplin. Janis Joplin. I would agree that Terminator Salvation is the worst of the Terminator films. Yeah. Bearing in mind that I haven't seen Dark Fate, but has anyone? What did we think of Genesis or Genesis or Genesis or uh, it however was okay. it was spelled? It was okay. I mean, in relation to the other Terminators, it's still terrible because the first two are very good. But yes, the third is okay. Fourth is pants. Fifth is okay. Sixth is pants. Well, that's a nice list you've made there, Ben. I wonder if you have a list to share with us. Nope. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> what strange you ask that. I just have lists prepared at all points. Unfortunately, I ranked them in ways of trying to get them as most related to Terminator as possible and as least related to Terminator as possible. But I'm going in the middle. I'm going in the middle, mainly because I think we've kind of covered the other two bases. And I'm not going to give clues as to what they were. But yes, in order to build this up, obviously we have the legendary Arnold Schwarzenegger at the helm here, leading this beautiful, beautiful film. And he's been in a lot of amazing films and has a lot of amazing one-liners. Now, I have scoured the internet and gone through every, and by every, I mean... 10 lists of the best <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners, aggregated them, and come up with the top five. So I ask you, gentlemen, what is the top five greatest Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners? It's not a tumour. It's not a tumour, is at number five. Yes. <laughs> it's time to let off some steam. <laughs> let off some steam, Bennett, is not in the top five. What? <laughs> what killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> there was many, many, many lines from Mr. Freeze I that were there. I still need to. Isn't that one? <laughs> yes. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Um, oh, I don't think Ice to see you is in there because that's in The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Simpsons. But yes, right. not the top five. Think of the films we are discussing that might help you. Well, I'll be back. There you go. Number one. Easy. Hasta la vista, baby. Number three. Yeah. Two more. Not Terminator films now. Are any of them Kindergarten Cop? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> what if it is? There's another. T- there's another Kindergarten Cop on I here. I think it's. I think it's Kindergarten Cop, or it might be. It <laughs> might be Jingle All the Way. Actually, <laughs> I'm really struggling with this. Yeah, I am struggling too. Okay, number two is from Predator. Oh, get uh, to the chopper. Yeah. <laughs> Was that actually it? Does that count as a one-liner? <laughs> of course it does. You guys tell us the film. I think. <laughs> yeah, you guys give us him. Uh, you're not going to get the next one. Put the cookie down. <laughs> Apparently, that is the fourth best Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liner. But that sums up... I mean, the other top five list I had was just related to the O.J. Simpson. 
which was the five worst sportsman performances in films, not related at all to anything. So we move on, gentlemen. Okay, so now it's time for the ultimate question, and it will ultimately decide what is better, the song or the movie. I mean, has there ever been a more obvious choice? Uh, ooh, no. Just in life <laughs> yeah, or yeah. In, in this? <laughs> in life, in, in life, yes. <laughs> I have never found anything more simple. Yes, the song is incredibly average at best. <laughs> the film is great. Simple. I would like to get rid of Axl Rose. Izzy Stradling can stay. It's just a completely redundant question in a way, isn't it? Because it's quite obvious that the film is better than this song. <laughs> it could, be, it might be down as like one of the worst Guns N' Roses songs as well. Not just songs in films, just Guns N' Roses. And I'm not even a Guns N' Roses fan. Earlier in the episode, we listed about 10 songs that were better. <laughs> it took us like two seconds to do so. Yeah, I mean, I would like there to be some lot of jeopardy in this part, but there isn't. It's the movie. The movie's better. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, goodbye forever to Axl Rose and Friends. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a better name for a band thank you for joining us today on another episode of that song from that movie hope you enjoyed why don't you let us know if you think Terminator 2 is better than the song and if you think the song is better then unfollow us we don't want you listening to this podcast why not share this on the Izzy Stradling subreddit I'm sure it will be well received there so all that's left now is to do some goodbyes so it's goodbye from me goodbye and goodbye from Alex I'm not God but if I were God Three quarters of you would be girls, and the rest would be pizza and beer. <laughs> what? <That's> Axel Rose. <laughs> and goodbye from Ben. Freeze in hell, Batman. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Hi. I'm surprised as well, Ben. We haven't had an Arnie impression from you yet. Why is it me? Why do I have this <laughs> reputation? You two are far superior at this than me. <laughs>